Welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. So today, I've got a really special episode because we're going to be talking about human design. Patricia Lindner inspires and invites professional women to discover and embrace their compass from within so they can live, love, and lead with wisdom and purpose. When they surrender to their innate gifts of being highly sensitive and empathic, that sounds familiar, they will see leverage and utilize their amazing gems gems and skills. Especially human design can give them many insights into their superpowers and also challenges so they can see themselves in a new light. Welcome, Patricia. I am so glad you're here. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so excited to be with you, and I'm so honored to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Well, and I've been, I mean, human design seems to be like popping up like mushrooms all Mm -hmm. over the place. I mean, I see so many people who are talking about it, talking about, I'm a reflector, I'm a manifesting generator, I'm a generator, I'm a projector. And yet I, you know, it's, there's, I'm sure there is just so much more to it. And I was thinking I would love, and it, you're the perfect person for this because you understand what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic and how human design fits into all of this. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. But before we go into human design, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience as a highly sensitive empathic person and like what was it like before you found tools before you found human design what was what was your experience were you an empath as a kid when did you come into it how did you find you know like what was it all about? Yeah, so I love this question, Jennifer, because I really, so I have to honestly admit, I didn't think about this. I didn't think about this. And this gives me the opportunity to really share this. And this is an interesting story. And I guess lots and lots of people, I don't want to say women, but people experience it in a similar way, because I guess I have been an um, um, empathic and highly sensitive person um, since I was born. Mm -hmm. But through um, being in a family of two um, adults, my parents that were not really highly sensitive, um, I needed to fit in. And Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of conditioning. My dad, who uh, unfortunately already passed away eight years ago, he he was a, a nice person and I totally love him and loved him, but he wanted me to really um, 
not show up in an empathic way, not show up highly sensitive. And he wanted me to really have my stuff together, be courageous, be okay with things, not to cry that uh, often, not to feel everything. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they worried about me being so sensitive. Sometimes they um, really punished. So I, I really need to say they punished me and conditioned me. So I, not really, but somehow unlearned being highly sensitive. I tried mm -hmm. to really get around. And um, so this turned out to, to become the path of being really a perfectionist. Doing mm -hmm. things the way they were expected, being highly intelligent in everything that I did, succeeding with whatever I um, wanted to achieve. And um, so this went on until a couple of years, so almost 10 years ago, um, my body went on strike. Mm -hmm. So my, my body really produced a lot of symptoms and um, I couldn't go on like this, just being in my head, trying to fit in, trying to adapt, not looking at my needs, overriding my cycles, overriding my uh, sensitivity. Um, and I, I thought to myself that I'm overreacting sometimes, so I try to calm this down too. And then I started this inquiry of tapping into tools, tapping into techniques because my body was so, um, yeah, it was really burned out yeah. from not being who I originally was. And so I came across uh, a lot of tools and techniques, and one of them is human designs and the gene keys, which is an amazing tool to understand your energetics, your blueprint, so to speak, to see what are your challenges and what are your amazing strengths. Mm -hmm. um, and that connected me more and more and more with my sensitivity again, I took classes in uh, intuitive guidance um, and I did a lot of creative stuff to really tap into my intuitive, sensitive powers. And now I think I feel that this is a big gift to be an empath and to be highly sensitive. And the more... I really embraced it. The more I can utilize it, I can utilize it when I work with people and I can use it, utilize it when it comes to making decisions. Um, and it even went so far that I can smell things that other people can't smell. So I can figure out when a house or a room or anything is not correct, is wrong, is dangerous. Mm -hmm, so this mm -hmm. happened, we are about to build a house. I shared this with you. Yeah. And this happened, I could really smell when something was toxic. Mm -hmm. So we decided on building a house with just natural materials. And so I feel this is a gift. 
Yes, even absolutely. Though, even though sometimes it is pretty um, demanding. Yes. Well, and I am sure that the listeners and I all really do understand what it is like and how demanding it can be to be dealing with the highly sensitive. I want to wind back just a little bit because you were saying that, you know, your body, well, and I I had a thought as you were speaking about being such a perfectionist and being so good at things in some ways, that is almost like we, you know, when we can't express ourselves as empaths in the sort of the, the way that it would naturally come out as being very, you know, being emotional and being compassionate and sensitive to what's going on with other people and ourselves, that perfectionism is like, you could feel what your parents and probably your teachers and your society wanted from you as an empath and kind of plugged in and became the carbon copy of what they were they were expecting of you. So in some ways, it seems to me that you were still using your gifts yeah. and your abilities, but it was just with a lot of exertion and a lot of strain. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can totally agree. And I missed out on one point. So I have two kids. Uh-huh. And this was another um, moment because especially my son, who is the older one, he's 14 now. When he was a little baby and a little kid, I saw those um, highly sensitive traits in him. And I started reading books about high sensitivity and then I found myself in all of that so it was another gift to have a kid or two kids that are very sensitive persons mm-hmm. and so I missed out on that one but yeah mm-hmm. yeah to complete the story well and I wanted to also ask you you were saying that your body really gave up on you are you comfortable sharing um you said you had a lot of symptoms are you comfortable mm-hmm. sharing um, more specifics of like what was actually going on with your body. Yeah, yeah, sure. I can do that. Yeah. So first of all, I took on everything. I got everything, all the viruses that were out mm. there. For example, um, the mono, mononucleosis. Yeah. There is the other, what is it? Epstein-Barr Epstein bar. Yeah. virus. And I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to go on. I wanted to continue. So I didn't take a lot of time off. Mm. And so I took on everything that was out there, but I went on and I went on. Mm. And then one day I couldn't get up from bed because every single muscle and I feel like every single cell hurt. Yeah. I couldn't move. It was like arthritis or something going on, neuralgia. And um, I decided to take um, some time off being ill. And then I decided to, so my background is being a teacher and teacher's trainer, Mm. and I stopped doing the job. Um, And this was the moment where um, I slowly, slowly um, disappeared out of this job. And I took one year off to find myself to learn about what was really going on. And so I call my body the compass to alignment. Yes. It's always my body. And still now, 
I totally feel when something is out of order, not in alignment, my body would tell me immediately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I can really identify and relate to what you're talking about. For me, um, you know, and I notice that the chronic fatigue, like mm-hmm. things like Epstein-Barr, mono, Lyme disease, all of these things t- seem to be very common among those of us who are highly sensitive, but especially sort of more on the kind of workaholic side of the fence with it. And um, for me, it was uh, Lyme-induced pneumonia that mm-hmm. really was that pivoting thing where my body was just like, you need to make a change here. So I, I really... I really get it and and thank you for sharing the specifics of it because I think that makes it so much easier for like us to identify like I'm like oh I could totally relate to that as you're sharing the specifics of it. I'm wondering as you're speaking about this are there human design um and I may we I mean we should probably talk about what is human design before we totally go down this rabbit hole. But what what just occurred to me is, huh, I wonder if there are human design uh, archetypes or types that are more vulnerable or more inclined to have their body be the the, the, the emergency break and the compass than other people. But I guess before we ask that question, so um, I'm just going to write on my nose, health equal human design uh, to come back to. But before we go down that rabbit hole, what is human design for people who are unfamiliar with this? So human design is a self-developmental system um, that shows you, tells you your energetic blueprint just by taking your time of birth, the place of birth and uh, the day of birth, of course. Um, And it was developed by Ra Uruhu, who combined several systems, for example, astrology, of course, then the I Ching, Kabbalah, the chakra system and quantum physics. Mm. And so really combining and connecting those things and making something like an overlay, um, you can get the information through the zodiac signs and the 64 hexagons of the I Ching and the 64 codon rings of the DNA, which is really interesting. And So you get a much deeper information when you run your human design chart than when you just, just in quotation marks, look at your astrology chart. And so you can understand yourself better and you can understand others better, which is amazing for highly sensitive people. And you can create a life with more ease and flow just by knowing your design and just by knowing where sensitivity comes from. It gives you an understanding. It gives you a validation. I had lots of people who really um, started to cry because they said, now I get it. Now that's me. And they they loved this validation. And also yeah. ways or getting to know ways on how to protect themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the things 
so so one of the things that I found interesting in just kind of glancing at human design was the I the fact that there are sort of the four, if I understand, you know, there's 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 generator, projector, reflector, and manifesting generator. Is are and, those and the so there's one missing. One no, missing. Okay. Yeah. Then maybe maybe I just haven't met anybody with the, the other one that's missing. What's the other one? The generator, the manifesting generator, the projector, the reflector. Reflector, yeah. And the manifestor. Manifestor, right. right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So with those, so with those, do they correlate with the elements? You mean like water, fire, and yes, so on? yes, yes. In the same way that um, you know, the, with, with the zodiac, you have the air signs, you have the water signs, you have the fire signs, and you have the earth signs. What an um, interesting question, Jennifer. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yet, but I would love to dive into that. But I can't tell you right right away. Okay. So the thing that I noticed because I come at I come at it and. And my understanding of it is rudimentary. Like I don't have a, a, a deep, deep understanding of human design at this point. But um, I come at it with awareness with having worked with tarot for 40 years and having dabbled in astrology for at least that long. Um, and so I was like, huh, there's only these five characteristics uh-huh. it, you know how can it be and most people it seems like are kind of focusing it's almost like i'm sort of imagining that the five characteristics if you're just focusing on i'm a projector i'm a reflector i'm a generator that it's kind of like reading the zodiac in the newspaper mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not anywhere near accurate compared to what it really is about Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I had lots of people come to me and they they told me that they got this human design chart, just uh, like a computer made chart with 80 pages and they were overwhelmed and they didn't know what to do with it that contained their types, their profile um, and um, their there all the information which was like on the surface still and it was so much information that they didn't know what to do with it Mm -hmm. so i would highly recommend just having an overview of your chart and you can get a a free profile anywhere yes in the internet but then not ordering anything like uh, 18 Mm-mm. pages um, human design chart, which is pretty expensive, but mm-hmm. really working with someone who can highly customize and offer white glove service, especially as a highly sensitive person, because then you can look into the needs, the challenges and the superpowers of a person and you can talk with them how to implement how to protect how to um, find the best strategy to live their profile so for me it is more a tool to tap into your intuitive wisdom to contemplate and to go on a path of more and more alignment that's what mm-hmm. human design is for me and i always have to include the gene keys because that's what i um 
not discovered, I knew about it, but just this summer, I read four deep books on the gene keys. This is part of the human design, which gives you even more and deeper information of the genetics and the archetypes and how to really go on a path to your genius, to more love and to prosperity. Mm. Um, I love that. Mm. Well, and you, I, I'm really appreciating how you are clarifying that, you know, it's, it's because from on first glance, I was like, well, I'm just giving them my birth information. What's the difference between this and doing an astrology mm. chart? And I'm really hearing like that there is a capacity for nuance with human design in the gene keys that is just really, really special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm struck by, I was thinking as you were saying about don't go buy the 80 page computer generated chart. I mean, I totally hear you. They used to do that with astrology. I'm sure they still do it with astrology charts too. It's like my personal experience is that a reading from a good, a good interpreter of a chart, whether it's human design or astrology allows you to understand things in a way that reading a piece of paper is never going to do. But I'm also thinking, knowing you're identifying your learning style, probably also really helps like I learn best by being in conversation with somebody and talking about things and asking questions and getting answers. Whereas I know that there are some people who are very visual people, where maybe an 80 page chart would be you know, like they could work with it. But I think most of us need more engagement and more of an ability to interact with somebody who actually understands it. Because if you don't understand the philosophy, 80 pages of something is not going to introduce you, like, it's not going to make sense if it doesn't already make sense. Absolutely. And so I always send out um, some written pages, but this is never more than like 15 to 17 pages. And that includes everything that we talked about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And that's after the fact, so that you've had somebody's had a chance to have that conversation yeah. and everything. Yeah. So let's talk about your human design. And the ways like and how it has I'd love to hear about your human design and about how it reflects your strengths and your weaknesses and how have you been able to use it to really really navigate the world and align to your prosperity your health your love your success all that good stuff okay so if we did this we could talk for five or six or seven I'm hours. sure we could <laughs> So I I can talk about my human design, but I don't want to miss out talking about all the types and the high sensitivity. Um, Yes. Including my design and always talking about the So then why don't we talk about all the types and the high sensitivity and lead into talking about your design? But I am curious, what are you? So I am a manifesting generator, 5-2 manifesting generator, mm-hmm. um, e- emotional um, manifesting generator. So my motor or my um, authority is the emotions, the solar plexus. Mm. Um, and so talking about the type 
first of all, and how it affects me as a highly sensitive person and also all the other highly sensitive people out there who are listening. As a manifesting generator, I want to talk about the aura, the Mm -hmm. aura that a generator or a manifesting generator has. And so we have a very open, embracing, magnetizing, magnetic aura that pulls in everything that comes our way. And so... Including viruses? <laughs> everything. So we, we put it in, we magnetize it, we embrace it, and we feel mm. everything what from our perspective. And so it is always important to not just look at the types and their auras, but then also look at the centers and also look at the profile. And so we always need to combine it. But first things first, talking about the aura types. Mm -hmm. So if something comes in and we embrace it, it could be that it is not in alignment with us as manifesting generators or generators. Then we feel frustration and we have we are really lucky because we can let go of it we can easily pull things in but we can let go of, of things and this would be the point where i could talk about other types yes For example, the the projector I, yeah i was just gonna say i'm a projector so Yay! yeah <laughs> so the projector is um most affected by the type the aura type because the projector also has this aura this big aura but he or she is completely focused on making a download of what is coming or who is coming his way and becoming that field so you're really becoming that field and as you have no sacral center that is defined, you're really attached to that. And it is hard to detach because you really downloaded all the information. You pull it into your aura and you keep it. And this could really burn you out. That could really frustrate you. That could really harm your soul, harm yourselves, harm your body. Because you are so focused on downloading the information from others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Projector. Mm -hmm. Most affected by the aura Mm. and the type. Mm. Manifestors, on the other hand, they have, I'd call it, so if we talk in pictures, it could be a bowling ball aura pushing everything from the outside away. Uh Good for them. But, and now I always have to, to jump between, um, um, between aspects. So they have a lot of openness in their centers as they are manifestors. And so this could affect them as highly sensitive manifestors. But their aura and their type is like a bowling ball pushing away things because they are initiators and manifestors Mm, mm. the reflector has a very stable aura but 
And this is, so I think this is pretty difficult for people to understand without looking at um, a human design chart. They are very open in their centers. They are totally open in their centers. They have no center defined. And so they have this stable aura, but the openness in the center affects them in their sensitivity. So this was talking about the types and interesting that you are a projector and you are really affected most by being a projector and a highly sensitive person. Yeah. 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 Well, and, um, it, it just, it's so it's like, Oh, okay. Well that explains a lot right yeah. there. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I had read about projectors, um, in a number of different places is that the projector ha- needs the invitation. And yeah. that was something that I realized was a huge piece of my experience and like throughout my childhood. And I mean, I remember <laughs> my former business partner, talking about throwing a party at one point in time. And he was talking about it for days. And finally, I was like, am I invited? Because he hadn't specifically, because he had just assumed, because he was talking about it, that I knew I was invited. But because he had not specifically said, are you, you know, you know, please come to my party. I just sort of imagined he was just talking about it, but I wasn't invited. And it's, and what I realized then, as I've seen this, is just that, there is a part of me that literally waits for the invitation. And it was a revelation when somebody was like, you know, as a projector, you can invite yourself. And, and, and that was the big, big thing was like, and I can invite myself that I don't have to wait for somebody else to give me the invitation. And just really stressing the, the projector type, because I think this is highly important for highly sensitive people who are projectors. Projectors are energy. They are so exquisite. They are not here to do all the work. They are here to be the CEOs, to be in their caves and to work on stuff and then be called out of their cave to share their amazing thoughts and then to let other people work for them because they are not here to do all the hard stuff and they always need some time to refill the cup to replenish and to to really take a break and as you talked about this waiting for invitation or recognition This is so hard. Every projector needs to really build a strong self-confidence, strong self-worth. Because when people don't invite you or overlook you, overhear you, don't recognize you, this could be something that really affects the, the projector in a harsh way, because it is like, oh, am I not good enough? What is going on? Why are not? Why why am I not part of this? So um, they always need to really pay attention to their energy, because they are so so exquisite and fine in their energy, um, and never ever do the work because this will burn you out. Always refill your cup and take some time on your own in your cave um, 
Yeah, and just share with people who really are interested in what you have to share, people that recognize you. It's not about you, it's about the people that are meant to hear your message. And I think this was really important to stress for the projector. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I, as you're speaking about this, I, I thrive best when I can be, I can remove myself from the hecticness of the world. And so I live um, not in the far out, like, country, but I live a good like half hour from the small city of Portland, Maine. And I'm on six acres of land and horse country where I get a, a quite a bit of quiet. But I also realized that, you know, my ch- whole young adult life and childhood, I thought I was supposed to suck it up, go play, like be there on time. Like I was supposed to be out in the world and doing my thing. And when I stopped fighting the part of me, that's like, no, I hold down the home front. I keep the home fires burning. I light the beacon and I do the work here and I send the light out as opposed to going out into the world and kind of being the hunter gatherer. It is, I am not the hunter. I am the gardener. And it is like, my job is to keep the lights to keep the light shining, not to like, not to go out into the world and find the light. Yeah. And when I accepted my need for space and my need for time and my need for a lot of just, you know, being able to reboot, but also even like to do things on my time frame and my time in, you know, sort of like not trying to force myself to be something I'm not, what a game changer that was. I totally believe that. And yeah. 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 So you are living in alignment with your um, type, your human design type. And also the centers in a chart affect highly sensitive people in an enormous way. And I'm so happy that I can talk about your chart, Jennifer, mm-hmm. because this is really a good example to share with people out there. And first of all, I need to clarify that there are nine centers in a human design chart. Uh, they, they show up as those triangles or rectangles. Um, and you can see them in a colored way like green or purple or yellow or brown, or they occur as a whitewash. They are completely white. Yes. Whenever they occur white, that means they are not defined. Mm. And if they are not defined, that doesn't mean anything bad because people were asking me, oh, does this mean that there is a lack of something? No. Um, a white center means that you um, have an undefined center that does not create anything from within, but that is like antennas into the outer world. Mm-hmm. So whenever there is a white center, that means that you are very much tuned into the outside world. And so those centers, they resemble a little bit to uh, the chakras. But yes, I was wondering about that. Yeah. But there are, and I'm, I'm going to clarify this when I talk about the centers. So there really are a lot of similarities, 
but uh, there is no heart chakra. So there is the self-center that is at the place of the heart chakra and a will center. So they divided it into two. Mm-hmm. And then there is not just a sacral center, but there is an emotional solar plexus that is more to the right, not yes. in the chakra system, um, in alignment with the others. And then there is on the left side, a spleen center mm-hmm. that is the intuitive center and it is to the left. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the rest is very similar to the chakra system. And so, so excuse me. I was going to say the bottom, the bottom square would be correlate to the root chakra. The root. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and then the top triangle, which I see is clear on mine, is uh, crown chakra. Yes. Yes. And if it is clear and white like yours, yeah, that means that you are taking in all the questions in <laughs> the world. Yep. So there is a lot of pressure in the openness of this crown center. Mm, mm, mm. Because you are really... Um, so open uh, yeah. to spiritual questions, to any questions in the world, and you never will be able to find an answer up there. So it it really causes a lot of pressure. Yes. And so most of the people have an open crown, and so they feel the pressure of having a lot of questions and wanting to answer the questions and having a hard time doing it with the thinking mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when um, a center is colored in, it is defined and it is really coming from the inside. So you have more internal guidance on whatever center we talk about. Mm-hmm. And so for highly sensitive people, the pressure, because it is receiving information, taking energy in, taking questions in, and amplifying the questions amplifying whatever comes your way like a magnifying glass that means the openness and so you can see why for highly sensitive people this is causing um, a lot of pressure and maybe sometimes really stress absolutely well and i'm struck by with my chart the fact that basically both my crown and my root Mm -hmm. are open which means that i'm taking in information on sort of the highest spiritual level and i'm also taking in information at that most like primitive survival level and so it makes complete sense to me why the beginning of the pandemic was an absolute dumpster fire <laughs> because I was just getting knocked over by the emotional intensity that was going on in the world around me or, you know, just like uh, across the planet and looking and understanding the centers better. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. of course, there we are. Yeah. yeah. And as you were talking about the root, so yeah. the, the farthest down Mm -hmm. um, center this is really another pressure center so there are two pressure centers and this is the crown and this is the root and they are they are really pressure centers when they are open Mm -hmm. so you are really with the openness of the root you are so open to stress 
and all the pressure around time and tasks. So this is about timing. Whenever mm. someone hands you a to-do list from the outside and you have to accomplish all the tasks and check all the boxes, this is really giving you a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And you um, can easily override your internal cycles because you want to accomplish those tools because there is this openness um, in your route. So um, a good way to overcome this is always ask yourself, what happens if I don't do all the tasks? What happens if I just withdraw? (laughs) And the answer probably is nothing. Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so talking very quickly, talking about the other centers and the openness. So whenever, and especially the the most important centers for highly sensitive people. Um, and I want to address the emotional solar plexus, which is the triangle on the right, close yes. to the root. Whenever this is open, it is not open in your case, but mm-hmm. whenever it is open uh, in a chart, that means we are taking in all the emotions from others, toxic emotions, anger, frustration, everything. And oftentimes there is chaos in people who do not know about this because they don't know, is this my emotion? Whose emotion is this? Why is there such an overflow of emotion in my system? And giving you all the listeners a good piece of advice, it is if your emotional center is open, the um, solar plexus is open, then don't use it as a sponge, but use it as a screen so that you can reflect back the emotions to the senders. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Know that the emotions, when there is openness, they are not yours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are not yours. And so this is um, yeah, a very important center, especially for empaths and highly sensitive people, because this is where all the emotions can come in when there is openness. I am just nodding my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, the ramifications of this, Patricia, are just amazing. Like, yes. I, I'm just like, this is a whole new way of explaining things. And I've been explaining, I've been talking, I'm, I've been teaching the Empathic Mastery Academy round, and um, we've been talking about the expression of empathic, you know, empathic expression in, for, in terms of the elements mm-hmm. of, you know, of air for our mental, our mental channel, fire for our action and our behavior, water for our emotions and our intuition and earth for our body and manifestation and our health. And then spirit for sort of that paranormal extrasensory awareness and everything. Um, But as I'm listening to you, it's like there's this overlay adds a whole other level of like, well, oh, of course, because I was looking at my husband's chart too. He's also a projector. But Mm -hmm. where I have um, six of the nine um, centers filled, 
he only has two centers mm-hmm. filled and everything else is open. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know? uh, so he is close to a reflector, which is the type that is most affected by the openness because all the centers are open and they are a mirror of the world. They take in everything and they reflect everything. Mm, and so mm-hmm. I bet your husband is, um, yeah, highly sensitive in some ways also definitely highly sensitive and um interesting born on the he's a he's a he's he's an aries but he's a zero degrees aries he was born right on the cusp of pisces and aries and so um i wonder yeah so it's almost like it sounds like he's kind of a cusp between projector and reflector yeah oh wow Interesting. Interesting. What I can see in your chart. So we could go over all the centers. They have similar or a little bit different meanings. Mm -hmm. And whenever there is openness, it it affects um, a highly sensitive person in um, an immense way because this is really like a magnifying glass of taking in all the information and energy from the outside. What I can see is, so, and this is the third part that I always look at when I talk to highly sensitive people, is your profile. And Mm -hmm. you are a 6'3 profile and adept and explorer. And there are three quarters of the profiles are personal profiles, personal karmic profiles. And there is one quarter of transpersonal profiles transpersonal karma Mm -hmm. and you are one of them Uh. and whenever people and this is the five one the five two i'm a Mm -hmm. five two Mm -hmm. the six two and the six three they are transpersonal profiles that means most of the people with those profiles are highly sensitive people they have a thinner veil yep to what is going on to energy to karmic stuff and oftentimes those people are and this is just i i don't know i i didn't um investigate on this but what i found is that most of these people are often deeper or more traumatized um in life than um people with a personal profile mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well I'm imagining that even if, you know, I mean, trauma is so fascinating because so much of it is about how something sticks that you could have a, you know, you could have a family with three children and one of them is absolutely devastated by the experience. One of them is kind of like, huh, about the experience, um, you know, and then one of them maybe sort of isn't somewhere in the middle of that experience. And so mm-hmm. much of it is, it's not the event as much as it is how, how do, how we how do we shake it off? How do we interpret it? How do we experience it? So what I'm hearing you say is that those of us with the transpersonal profiles are more likely to take a, you know, like we take a hit with things that the, the personal profile people might not be so deeply affected. Totally, totally on spot. Right. Mm. I'm just, the ramifications of this. I'm like, Patricia, you should write a book. 
<laughs> about human design and highly sensitive people and empaths because this is so validating. It's it's just so validating to be like, oh, well, of course, here's all this information. I didn't check if there is a book out there uh, on highly sensitive people and human design or human design and high, highly sensitive people. Mm -hmm. But what an inspiration. I, I would love to do that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and even if there is, I mean, there is a ton of books out there about empaths. But the thing is that I am sure your message is the message that like, it, there will be the people who need to hear it in your way. And I'm just, I am, I'm so grateful to be that you're explaining all of this. So we've talked about the we've talked about the types. We've got the we've got the manifesting generator, the generator, the manifester, the reflector and the projector. Um and I was thinking it was like I know we talked about the manifesting generator and the generator and the reflector and the projector, but I'm not sure if we talked about the manifester. Yeah. So the manifestors they are here really to initiate things and they are, we talked about them when we talked about the aura, mm -hmm. so that they have this bowling ball aura. Ah, they've got the bowling ball aura. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And okay. So they are, they are the ones that have the most, one of the most stable auras, but they often have a lot of openness and especially in the sacral mm -hmm. uh, openness in their chart which uh, lets them feel a lot of frustration mm. and also be highly sensitive um, in, in the way they, they receive things. Mm -hmm. So their auric field is very stable, but they have oftentimes a lot of openness. And so in the same way that with a chart, we've got the, we've got sort of the, house you know we've got we've got the zodiac signs we've got the planets and then we've got the house placements and then of course we've got the aspects i'm hearing we've got sort of the the signs you know of the different types yeah. we've got the auras which um and then we've got the and we've got the um centers yeah and then I'm imagining the sort of the interconnecting lines would almost be interpreted as like the aspects um, or, or sort of the, the, like the way that, you know, like if in a chart, it would be like, well, you've got Saturn opposing Jupiter, that that might be a way of looking at it. They are the gates. They're called gates and uh -huh. they relate to the uh, hexagram in the, the, the I Ching. Mm -hmm. So it is like an overlay. They they relate to the hexagram in the I Ching, and mm. they relate to the sixty four coden rings in the DNA. Wow! So that's what they relate to. And um, whenever it is uh, colored in a black line, yes, then it means that is your um, conscious um, personality. So you probably are aware of this. And when it is in the in the red color, then mm -hmm. it is your design. And this is so the black one is exactly the way that astrology uh, takes the time and the date and so on. And the red one is taken about 80 days before your birth. This is the subconscious part of the design. Uh-huh. 
So there's how interesting. This, and and when you look at the subconscious and the conscious sun and the subconscious and conscious conscious earth, you get into the incarnation cross, which leads you to the gene keys, and they um, talk about your personality and how to get out of shadow aspects into the light and gift aspects and this is why i totally love um investigating more on the 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 jinkies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so it sounds like with the human design you can kind of focus on the issue or the problem but then once you start going into the gene keys you start focusing on the brilliance and the gifts and the possibilities yeah 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 totally uh, this is like development from shadow aspects of archetypes into gift and maybe even essence um of embodying who you really are, what your purpose is, what your prosperity path is, how you can overcome your core wounding, what you're here to do, how you can thrive. So there are so many aspects and it shows you a pathway that you can contemplate on and that you can intuitively get guidance on. Mm. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, this is a conversation you and I could, I'm amazed at how quickly the time is going as we're having this conversation. We're almost at the top of the hour. And I am just aware, like this is, we could be talking, we could talk for hours and hours and hours about this. And I feel like I would barely understand it still. But I'm really um, just amazed at the, like how much information this system offers, and especially for a highly sensitive person, you know, and, and those of us who are empaths, like, it, it feels like it's both validation, like, yep, you are this way, but also really giving us some really important information. So I do want to bring it over to you in the sense of, as a highly sensitive person, how has knowing your human design chart and understanding the gene keys, um, change, like what changes have you made in your life? Like, how has this changed your life? Okay, so first of all, so this is, there are many facets that I uh, um, can look at. And first of all, I am following my strategy. That means I need to respond and not initiate anything because this is really stressing me out to initiate, to want to start things and um, yeah, be a manifester, which I'm not. I'm just a little bit of a manifester, but I am a manifesting generator. So I have to really respond. This is what changed. So I trust more that whatever needs to happen is going to happen. There are synchronicities. Things are coming my way. I don't have to care. I don't have to force. I don't have to um, be attached to outcomes. So I really trust the flow, which opened myself up to embracing more of the opportunities that are available out there and which helped me 
um, not want to control things anymore. Mm. So this mm. is one one big thing. Then the other one is I'm trusting my authority, and authority means this is kind of a motor. Whenever you need to make decisions, then just tune into your authority and mine is the emotions so i need to be emotionally clear Mm -hmm. today tomorrow and next week that i want to do this or that or i don't and when my authority tells me yes this is green light i i have to go there then this is fine so there is other people that have um the sacral as a motor, as an authority, they tune into this deep gut, uh-huh, yes, mm-hmm. this is it. And so there are more motors. And this is what changed for me, that I trust my emotions. Also, I learned about my open centers um, and especially my spleen is open. And so whenever I am in the, the field of people and um, illness and sickness I feel what is going on in their bodies and I it is as if I could take on illness pain things around body issues and I'm highly sensitive to medicine mm-hmm. um, so this is what I learned and this is just one thing and this was such a big validation that I'm not a hypochondriac or something but this is just my sensitivity. Other than that, I um, do more of aura and chakra work, um, blessings of the chakras, clearing of the aura, um, and doing more and more energy work. Also, I'm more um, benefiting from being out in nature. Because this is what, what, what stood out in my chart as well, that I really need to withdraw from time to time. And so I'm going out in nature to really get my head clear, to not be in my mind all the time. And so this is just a little insight into what it helped me do. And it helped me align with what I want to do with my career path. Because I need to be so in tune and in sync and in alignment with what I totally love. I can't do the black and white soul-sucking job. Mm -hmm. I really need to be passionate about it. Mm -hmm. I need to love it so I can be charismatic in what I do and so that I stay healthy and radiant. And this is what human design told me um, too. (sighs) Wow. Wow. This is amazing. I'm curious with the, um, you were speaking about how the strategy really helped. Could you talk just a little bit about the strategy of the projector of being invited and what that means? Yeah, sure. So being invited, as you you talked about the invitation to the party, so being invited, you could really um, 
broaden the field of invitation. Yes. So it, it means that people need to recognize you. That could be in the business area. Mm -hmm. That could be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Wherever you can be recognized for your amazingness, for your wisdom, for your um, charismatic personality. So people need to recognize you and invite you into their field, into their show, into their party, into whatever. So whenever you try to to initiate something, this is stressing you out. Mm -hmm. So I think this is quite a hard job for a projector. Yeah. Because sometimes you want to get things done. You want to do something maybe with your business and you should wait for recognition and invitation. Then I don't know if this resonates with you. Then you tend to do the work yourself because you want to do that and you want to show up and you want to be somewhere and you initiate something and then you might feel a slight um, energy of burnout. Yeah. So yeah. this is draining your batteries. For me, it feels like there are times where if I initiate something and it, and it sort of, I, I jump the gun that the universe mm -hmm. has not necessarily given me the invitation, but I've initiated something. It feels like I am wearing a cloak of invisibility and sort of mm -hmm. the two images that have come up for me over and over again is like, sometimes it just feels like I am pushing a snowball up a hill yeah. and it's sort of that sense of like, just push, push, push. But also these times where it's kind of like just standing in the middle of a field or something or standing in the middle of the void and just like yelling as loud as I can and feeling like nobody is hearing this. And so it makes a lot of sense that I, it would be really interesting to look at because the times in my life where things have worked really well have been sort of when I have allowed things to happen yeah. versus when I try to make things happen. So mm -hmm. I really hear that as being part of the strategy of being of my human design is uh like wait you know sort of just sort of like letting the universe direct the process as opposed to trying to be the initiator of the process yeah and i love that you're taking uh, you're talking pictures because when i think of the projector i think of the person who goes back in her cave mm-hmm and comes up with the most brilliant idea and then she waits until she's called out because people will call her out of the cave mm -hmm. and then she can share the amazingness she can share her wisdom and then she goes back into the cave to work on something new and um, she's like the CEO of everything <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Mm. Patricia, I cannot believe how fast this conversation, how quickly we've whipped through an hour of talking about human design. This has been such a rich, rich, powerful conversation. Before we sort of wrap up and talk about how we can get in touch with you and all that stuff. Is there anything else that feels really important that you would like to share and or like 
advice that you would give to the highly sensitive person who has not yet discovered their human design? Yeah. So there is something that immediately comes to my mind, and this is um, sometimes, and we talked about this in the beginning when we talked about my story, sometimes being highly sensitive feels like a burden. And sometimes um, you feel like, oh, if only I were less sensitive, then everything would be fine. Really tuning and tapping into your human design or gene keys or end gene keys would give you the opportunity to see what a wonderful, amazing gift it is to be highly sensitive and how you could use that in your life so that you can have a life that is full of ease and flow because you can handle things and you can turn stumbling blocks of sensitivity or highly sensitiveness into stepping stones that make you be you. And I think this is the most important thing, just mm. you. Yes. Well, and you just reminded me of something years and years ago, I had a game changing experience when I did, I got my, I got, um, a, you know, reports around my gene mutations and discovered that I have this one gene mutation that's called the MTHFR gene mutation, which is very common among empaths. And one of the things about this gene mutation is that we do not um, we do not process folic acid correctly. We have to have um, folic acid and also B12 vitamins in a particular form. And I had been taking this B12 folic acid combination every single day that was the wrong kind of vitamin. And it was gumming up my receptors and really affecting me. And when I understood what I was, and I understood that this vitamin really didn't serve me, and I stopped taking it, within two days, I felt like I had stopped shooting myself in the foot. And I'm thinking in a way, understanding the human design chart is very similar in that there are strategies that we may have been employing our entire life based on what we think we should be doing that goes in direct opposition. Like for me, the attempt to be the initiator and even like I think about like how I hate throwing parties. I just, I, you know, it just makes me incredibly uncomfortable to be the person who's setting up the space and throwing the party. I'm like, of course, you're a projector in human design. That's not exactly what you want to do. But I'm just really struck by when we have that information, what a huge difference it can make when we work in alignment with our design, as opposed to doing what we think we should do, that goes in direct opposition to our natural design. So, mind blown. Absolutely. And I could not add anything to this amazing, um, this, this comparison that you just made. That was absolutely, again, on spot. I love the pictures and the analogies you use 
amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I imagine that some of that is, you know, is sort of like, I don't know, like I have this image of like, sometimes like maybe as a projector, we like literally are like, we got the movie screen and we're sending pictures out into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I definitely think very much in terms of metaphor and example, because mm-hmm. I know for me, I learn best when I have like a this is how it worked in this situation. So um, this has just been such a delicious, rich conversation, Patricia. I'm so glad you joined me today. This has been so yummy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having this amazing conversation. Yeah. It was a delight to to chat with you and oh. to share all the information. I loved it. Oh, so obviously... There is a lot more about human design than we have just discussed. And you work with people around human design. So how do we get in touch with you? So people can go to my website, of course, and there is an opportunity to sign up for a quick overview um, of their human design that is about 15 minutes just to give them a first impression and then they can walk away with more clarity. This is one thing that I always highly recommend and they can do whatever they want with the chart but they have someone to share information that is uh, highly personalized uh, because it is a real conversation and not a computerized No, thing. no. So, this is, um, yeah, something that I really highly recommend and offer openly to anyone who is interested in getting to know their chart. And yeah, I'm on social media, but honestly, as a highly sensitive person, it feels like I need to step back from social media and find other ways of connecting with people because this stresses me out. Yes, yes, yes. I I personally find it's really important to curate my relationship with social media very, very carefully. And I'll just say I love podcasting because it feels so much more intimate. It feels so much richer. It feels so much more satisfying. I mean, it's just, it's a real human connection where we're having real conversations as opposed to everybody looking at like curated pictures on social media, pretending to be living a certain way. So your web for those of, for those who are listening now, I will let you guys know that Patricia's information, all of this will be in the show notes so that you can come back around. But for those listening who are like oh my god i have to go do it right now what is your website so my website is www.patricialindner.com and for those of you who are listening the lindner is l i n d n e r so there's two n's in there so right. it's not lindner and it's not linder it is Lindner. Okay. Awesome. Patricia, thank you so much for having this conversation. This has just been a revelation. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. It was an honor. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, 
three basics for finding calm in the eye of the storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.